Happy Monday, lovers, and welcome to Sex at Work, a podcast that is about work that is sex-related, or in some episodes, sex that is work-related, all in an effort to think about the sexual culture that we live in. I'm your host, Wyo Lee, and today is another wonderful interview with a woman who is making the world a sexier, more loving place, basically by broadening the frontiers of oral sex. She is making cunnilingus and rimming an option for people who perhaps would not have previously considered it, and I think that is fantastic. If this podcast inspires a thought or a story, please share it with our community by emailing me through sexstoriespodcast.com. And a question that I invite you to ponder this week is, if you had to use the next hour for oral sexplorations, what would you try? Our guest today is the founder and CEO of Laurels, a sexual wellness product that empowers more people to experience intimacy freely and fully. Welcome, Melanie Crystal. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Can you start off by telling us your sex at work origin story and then also tell us what is your work like and what led you to this sex related career? So I am the founder and CEO of Laurels. Essentially, we make silky latex undies that are ultra thin and super stretchy and allow you to experience more forms of intimacy. So in particular, oral sex and rimming, also fingering and scissoring. And Laurels basically enable you to experience those things at times that either you might otherwise say no, for example, if you're on your period or if your partner has a scratchy beard and you're feeling like physically sensitive or, you know, if somebody's interested in rimming, but they're concerned about sort of the downsides of that. Or, you know, if people have faced things in their past that makes it really uncomfortable to have somebody up close and personal like that. Laurels are a really simple way to just slip on a silky little panty and be able to experience all of those wonderful sensations of oral and foreplay. So I would say my sex at work origin story is back when I was in college, I was a peer sex educator and I taught about the dental dam. I actually have one sitting right here. So dental dams, I imagine that most of your listeners know, but you know, dental dams are a sheet of latex that's worn during cunnilingus. Worn is probably the wrong word because it has to be held in place. Applied. Yes, applied, (laughs) held. It sits there. You know, back when I would be teaching about the product, people would laugh at it. And I didn't really blame them because, first of all, it's called a dental dam. I mean, even if it were called an oral dam, it's just such an (laughs) unsexy term. I mean, you think that and you're like, I don't want to incorporate that into my sex life. And then also just having to tell people, yeah, the way that you use this is you hold it in place during sexual activity. You know, I'm also teaching about condoms. Like, what if I were telling people you have to hold a condom in place while you're having intercourse? I mean, it's a ridiculous proposition. And, you know, you want to be able to use your hands for other things. You want to be able to freely engage in intimacy without worry that your arms are going to slip and you're going to expose yourself to STDs. So, you know, I knew back then the dental dam, it was good that it existed, but it certainly had problems. And so over time, I found myself using dental dams. I then, you know, went off to law school and I became a lawyer and I still was using dental dams here and there and still thinking to myself, you know, this product is inadequate. And after thinking about it for a while, you know, I was representing these healthcare companies and these consumer products companies, and I was very inspired by the products they made. And I just thought, what if I made a better dental dam? I mean, 
that would be really, really cool. Yes. You know, I, I thought of the idea and then I started talking with more and more people about it and realizing that basically a silky latex panty, it's like ultra thin and stretchy could be used not just for STD prevention purposes, like a dental dam, but for all of those other reasons that yeah. I mentioned before. And so after a while of thinking about it, I decided to quit my law job and create oral sex underwear and haven't looked back. <laughs> wow. How long has this journey been for you? So we did three years of research and development before launching the product. So I basically created the patents and then worked with an attorney to really solidify those. And I found a factory and then worked with the factory on probably like a couple dozen rounds of prototypes. And so after three years, we launched the product and we've now been on the market for about three years as well. And we almost we're so close now to getting FDA clearance, which will finally allow us to be able to talk about the product as an STD prevention device, because right now. The product really shouldn't be used for that purpose. We're not FDA cleared yet, but hopefully soon. And that's going to be just a really exciting time because as I mentioned, like, you know, the initial idea was because I wanted to make a better dental dam and it seems like it's going to be that way quite soon. So yay. (laughs) Congratulations. That is so incredible. When you were doing product testing, were you yourself testing them? Yes. So I did product test laurels many times. We probably went through a couple dozen rounds of prototypes and some of them, you know, didn't need to be tested because it was a change of color or something that was a minor change that, you know, five iterations later I would test it out. But yeah, I mean, it was really important to make sure that the user experience was going to be really great. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that the latex was thin enough so that the receiver would be able to feel all of those sensations. That's so key. Also, that the product was thin enough so that the giver would be able to use their tongue and their lips freely without, you know, experiencing a lack of sensation or, you know, getting tired. So we made sure that things were super, super stretchy in the genital region. I also wanted to make sure that the texture of the latex was really smooth and that the color of the product looked really beautiful. I wanted it to evoke silk. So it was just really important to think about texture and color. And that all has implications for how the product is manufactured. So several steps along the way, you know, I would be testing out the product both as a giver and a receiver and being able to you know, make sure that it's perfect for everybody who's involved in the activities. That's so awesome. And if I'm remembering correctly, I got the bikini kind, but you also have a boy short, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a shorty style, which has fuller coverage. So this is our packaging right here. And so these two folks over here are wearing the shorty style. And then here's the bikini style. I love it. I love it. Did you always know you were going to have two different styles or was that something that evolved during product testing? I wanted to make sure that the product felt comfortable for as many people as possible. And in talking with people about what they looked for in lingerie generally and what they would be looking for in this product, some people wanted a thong-like experience and to cover as little as possible, and other people wanted more coverage. So the shorty style is our way of you know, allowing people to be pretty fully covered while they're engaging in this activity. And then the bikini style, it looks like a bikini. You can also kind of turn it into a tanga by doing what we call the laurels tuck. 
And that means once you slip the product on, you pull apart your labia and your butt cheeks, and then you allow the product to kind of create a little wedgie in there. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And it's great because it allows your partner like maximum access. They can really get in there and, you know, have a ton of fun. I mentioned how I had done the product testing, but also before we launched to the public, you know, we had many couples test the product so that we would be able to hear their experiences too. That's so cool. Do you ever hear from the latex community? Is this a silly question? But I'm just like, that's a sensation. It's not a silly question. We love the latex community. I mean, I personally think that latex fashion is so sexy. And I have pieces from like years ago, like before Laurel's was even on my mind. Cool. And we definitely want to be more involved with the latex community. It's such an awesome group of people with such an amazing expressive sexuality. And I want to be super connected with them because yeah. I mean, Laurel, they're like this really hot way to wear latex, but also to be able to have sex through your latex. And yeah. Like, that's super cool. Feels so good. Rip it off at the end. You yeah. Know? I mean, like you can do so many fun things with it. Like one couple wrote in and they talked about how one thing they loved about laurels was using laurels for oral sex and then ripping them apart so that they were basically like crotchless underwear. (laughs) Yeah. And then like having sex that way. And I was like, that is so hot. I love it. Yeah. People are coming up with really wonderful ways to use the product. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. Wow. Maybe you just answered this, but could you tell us in your line of work, how do you understand the definition of sexy? And then how does that definition or idea change for you outside the context of work? So my definition of sexy has like two very different influences. One influence is me growing up in, you know, like a suburban location and like in a purple state and, you know, definitely being fed a lot of the normal societal images of sexy, like, you know, Victoria's Secret and, cosmopolitan as it was in the 90s. And so that like definitely continues to have an impact. Things that are sexy by a kind of standard American definition are definitely sexy to me. Like Mm -hmm. laurels were in Playboy at one point and we had this like hot pinup photo of a beautiful person's tush wearing the sexy bikini product and it was like dimly lit and it was so hot to me that is super sexy but then also I have you know kind of the seed that was planted from sassy magazine which was this liberal kind of queer independent publication in the 90s that was like so impactful on so many people who grew up in that generation But then I like went away to college and I was in New York City and then I went to L.A. after that. And so having the impact of alternative views of sexuality and alternative views of what is sexy, that had an enormous impact on me, like in New York and in Los Angeles. And so while a Victoria's Secret model is super sexy to me. So is a huge, you know, expansive range of like gender identity and like diversity and like body size. And to me, there are so many things and people and relationships that are sexy, you know, and Uh I think that that, to a large extent, Laurel's is a lot of a reflection of my personality. And I think particularly when it comes to this, like this mixture of 
American standard sexiness, you know, that is residual within laurels, but then also like a totally alternative viewpoint. So I really think that hopefully laurels to an outsider's perspective embraces like all kinds of sexiness and finds sexiness within so many different facets of society. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love when I was first looking at the website because it was Francis from Awkward Essentials who turned me on to you. And then I started hearing about you from other people. So there was that like synchronistic moment. But the first thing that I noticed, I was like, oh, these look cool. And I'm not a person who's ever used a dental dam. And most of the people I talk to, while we like know they exist, I can't remember if I've seen them in a store ever. Like I didn't try to go buy them. You know, I, it wasn't at the last CVS that I went to. I can tell you that. But I remember looking at them and thinking like, this could help so many people who are like nervous about receiving or nervous about giving that certain gift, just like you already said at the beginning. And so I just think that they're super sexy and I hope that they just become mainstream, mainstream. Thank you. I feel like it's happening. So Yay! it's very exciting. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm just, I want everybody to be able to feel comfortable to like say to their partner, hey, like let's incorporate this into our activity in the same way that it's really easy to incorporate a condom because, you know, people use them for a variety of reasons and, you know, everybody kind of has them sitting on their bedside table. And yeah. I think that that is what will eventually happen with oh, the world. Yes. Can't wait for that day. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit like work-wise, just a day-to-day, how, if at all, is your work sexy or how is it less sexy than people might think? So I would say that the majority of my day is not sexy or even sex related. I mean, there's so many aspects of running the business that don't even have to do with the product. You know, we have to be thinking about finances and we have to be thinking about supply chain and, you know, which marketing channels we're going to use, you know, creating the packaging. Okay. That gets into a little bit of sexiness, a little bit of the product, but you know, there's just so much on a daily basis that isn't even related to the product. And then when it comes to the product, I would say that the majority of the time when I'm discussing laurels, I'm coming at it from like a matter of fact, this is the product that we make context. But sometimes once in a while, it does get a little bit sexy. So like, for example, today I was doing a TikTok duet of a awesome sex educator who did this very sexy video of how to perform oral sex. And, you know, I was duetting it and kind of commenting a little bit and mentioning laurels at one point. But like the video was so sexy and I was giggling to myself. I am blushing right now. And yet I make oral sex products for a living. But here I am like listening to somebody talk about oral sex in a work context yeah. and I'm blushing. And I think that the difference is because the majority of the time when I talk about laurels, it is as a product. And then when I talk about using laurels, I'm talking about it logistically and I'm not like picturing myself, yeah. you know, using laurels and, and describing it in that way. It kind of becomes a little bit more businesslike and less sexy, but it's pretty fun when the sexiness does get to see Ben. <laughs> That's awesome. And I can totally relate because I feel like, you know, I'm talking very explicitly often to people about their explicit personal sex lives, but I just sort of have that like that lid, the boundaries on. And that doesn't mean that like once we hop off Skype, when I hear people start, I'm like, wow, that was so hot, you know? <laughs> totally, totally. And then like sometimes when people will write in and tell us how laurels impacted their sex lives, 
I won't say it gets sexy, but it gets exciting in almost a wholesome way. Yeah. Because it's like, wow, this product that we've made has really, truly impacted somebody's life. And it's been part of an intimate moment that they had with another person in a way that they were like better able to connect with that person. And so that feels really real and genuine to me. Not necessarily sexy, but I derive real emotion from it. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. I do. I feel that way every time I get an email from someone with any sort of sexy success story. Sexy success story. (laughs) Say say it a lot of times (laughs) in a road really fast. fast. (laughs) Okay, so on that same note, sex and work-wise, what are your boundaries between the personal and professional? Like, Do you talk about your personal sex life at work or did you have to during product development? So I don't really talk about my personal sex life as it relates to laurels or generally, like I don't talk about my personal sex life in a work context. Usually like I might today, but I think this is like a little bit different because it's like about work, but then it's also about sexiness generally. But I think that, you know, when I need to pull from one of my life experiences with laurels in a sexual context for work. I always discuss it in the abstract. So it's not like, oh, the other day (laughs) I was using laurels with this person and we did this and this and then this happened and it was great. Instead, I will be like, you know, it it is definitely possible to insert (laughs) fingers into the front and the back of laurels (laughs) and then, you know, perform oral sex and then perform rimming. And it's certainly it's a possible thing. I connected them here, but usually I don't connect them. And so, you know, I talk a lot in the abstract. And then I also think that, you know, the personal and professional divide is something that I do try to achieve in my day-to-day life. You know, I spend a lot of time working on laurels, but then, you know, when I am in a personal interaction, you know, like the phone is down and I'm able to enjoy that human connection aspect without thinking about work. Beautiful. I found it harder and harder to do because so many of my fantasies now have to do with all the work that I'm doing, but that's like very specific to what I'm working on. It's kind of on purpose. So, but I also still try to pay full attention to the person so I can connect with that part. Here's a question for you though. In the workplace, do you establish explicit communication rules or does it even come up? Cause it sounds like a lot of it is kind of like day-to-day product stuff, but do you ever talk about talking about sex? So we haven't really written a policy or procedure for talking about sex in the workplace, though I do think that as we grow, we'll absolutely be doing that. I think what generally happens between myself and the folks that I work with is we do what I just said, which is talk about laurels in the abstract and not in relation to our own personal experience with the product. We also don't talk very much about sex lives or dating generally. I think sometimes we do talk about those things in the abstract again, but there isn't much talk about sexuality in the office. It might be different than one would expect. I think it has a really good result of keeping things super professional, yet while talking about things in the abstract, we are able to really figure out what the customer experiences and be able to address the needs of our customers, I think. That's awesome. Are you mostly direct to consumer right now or are you selling to middle people? And are there any awkward conversations there ever (laughs) with buyers? So right now we're mostly direct to consumer. We do sell to Urban Outfitters. So laurels are available at Urban Outfitters online. Amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Also, I love Urban Outfitters. I wear their tiny little shirts. They're like bralettes for shirts every day. So (laughs) 
Oh, amazing. Yeah, I mean, I like grew up on Urban Outfitters, so it's so exciting to be available there. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. And then we also sell at various Babelands and Good Vibrations stores and then a few other boutiques. We are planning on expanding to a much broader variety of retailers over the next few months. A lot of folks have reached out. And we are trying to basically increase production in order to keep up with all of the requests, which is on one hand, a nice problem to have, but also like, I want to be getting people's product right now. Yeah, totally. I'm working on that behind the scenes to try to get laurels into everybody's hands who wants them. Awesome. Okay. So like eager people instead of awkward pitches. That's fantastic. (laughs) Okay. When it comes to awkward pitches, though, it brings me back to when I was pitching laurels to factories several years ago. I would basically describe the product in just a very broad way. I would say it is this many square centimeters or square inches, this thickness, and it's a dipped latex product. And, you know, here are the quantities we're looking for. And then, you know, folks would come back to me sometimes with a lot of interest. And, you know, one factory in particular in the United States, which makes condoms, they came back to us and they were like, we're really interested. And, you know, by the way, what's this product for? And I said, it's for cunnilingus. And they disappeared. I emailed them several times and they finally came back and said, you know, we spoke with our executive team and we're not comfortable with the nature of this product. They make condoms. They make con. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that is yeah. wild. So I kind of learned my lesson. And when I started talking with other manufacturers, I kind of decided I'm going to tell them everything that they need to know about making the product. And, you know, I'll do my own work on my end from an engineering and design standpoint to figure out what are the specific things that need to be done for the product in order for it to be used for oral sex. But I'm going to avoid telling the factories about it. So then basically after talking with a few factories in the United States, I realized that Malaysia was the better place to go. It's really the go-to country for quality condom production and quality latex products. So I went out to Malaysia and I met with several factories. So not only, you know, am I talking to them for the first time, but there's also this cultural difference. And also, you know, we're making products per sex. However, these are all condom factories and they're very used to these things. But nevertheless, I pitched the whole product to the factory that I now work with. And I remember like we did not talk about what it was used for. I think they figured it out, but we didn't talk about it. That's kind of what it was like for the entire prototyping process. You know, they knew what the product was for. And, you know, we started getting press and they would see the press. So they knew, but it was never really explicitly discussed. Nowadays, we discuss it more, but only with like upper management and only when like it's important to talk about the activities that the product is used for. But it's just so interesting that that was kind of the 
interaction with the factory and how it developed over time. Absolutely. When I hear you say that, I think that that's just like a little mini masterclass in the human or current societal preference for like implicit kind of lie to me or slash don't tell me the whole truth and I'm okay with it. But as soon as I explicitly know all the details, then I have to be grossed out by it, you know, and it's like, that's what I'm trying to like unpack actually. So, wow. Thank you for that. And also, did you get to tour the factory? I love factories. Like I love, I love factories. (gasps) Really? so many factories now amazing it's like one of my favorite parts of what I do I love every step of the process and just like seeing the machines and seeing the efficiency of it and like watching the raw materials change something yeah Yeah, like a finished product it's so awesome I love it yeah so definitely my factory I've now been to I think four or five times and then other factories I toured while I was interviewing the factories. That's so cool. Okay, switching gears a little bit, maybe, I think. How do you define the term sex worker? And do you identify as one? I love this question. (laughs) I think it's so interesting and fascinating. So it reminds me of when I went to the AVN Awards a couple of years ago. And basically, the adult performers were referred to by somebody on stage as sex workers. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like I hadn't heard that before. And I asked the person that I was sitting with, a porn producer named Five Star, who's really awesome. And I said like, do you all refer to yourself as sex workers? Like I thought that that is for like escorts and people who, you know, engage in sexual activity and receive compensation for it and it's not being filmed. Mm. So, you know, that's kind of what I said. And Five Star was like, well, that what you're very gently told me what you're kind of talking about is what we call the horrorarchy, which is basically this hierarchy among different kinds of sex workers. (sighs) And if we feel that sex is a natural part of life. And it's also something that makes sense to be exchanged as part of the economy. Then there shouldn't be different tiers based on whether you're being filmed for it or, you know, just interacting with it with another person. And that was like such a big light bulb moment for me. But funnily enough, I did not think to myself, does that make me a sex worker? I only thought about it as I was thinking about being on this show today. And I realized, I mean, I would say my definition of being a sex worker is somebody who works in the business of providing sex. And so I think an extension of that is somebody who works in the business of providing products that help people have sex and provision of sexual health products. So I would say that, yes, I do think that I am probably a sex worker. I think that that is awesome and like really cool. You know, regardless of the definition of what we call ourselves, it's a community I'm really super proud to be a part of. Yeah, So many awesome people devoting their lives to helping others experience more happiness and pleasure. It's so cool. Yeah, I think that is awesome. And I'm that whole answer delights me. And I also just want to say, I posit that perhaps we can move toward sexual artists and craftsmen. Worker is great, too, if people like that. But like, I think there is an opportunity to be like, I'm a sexual artist and, you know, and find different spaces for that. And I think I became a sex worker when I started doing sex stories, but just didn't realize it. The definitions I've gotten from some other people have to do with like, you know, do you make money off of selling sex in some way, shape or form? Or do you make money off of selling your body? And I'm like, well, I talk about my personal stories and I do post nudes. So I guess so, you know, like (laughs) just because I haven't touched people yet. But maybe someday I'll be able to like check the box on the whole hierarchy and, and we'll see. 
Luciaga. Yay, that's awesome. <laughs> Although my mom did explicitly ask me to not do porn, so maybe not. But I might do make love, not porn. So we'll see. We'll see. Oh, cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Can you tell us, please, what have you learned about social and cultural norms that have surprised you, that you'd like to shift, and that you love? So one thing that I have definitely noticed is I am extremely comfortable talking about sex at work. And I think that I became that way mm, probably starting in high school when I was like in the drama club and we were just all very sexually expressive and we just talked about sex a lot. And then during college, I worked as a sexual health educator and I also worked like at the National LGBTQ Hotline. And I thought I was going to be a theater producer at the time. And so I interned with the producers of the vagina monologues and, you know, sex was kind of discussed all day yeah. in that office. And so, you know, from a pretty early age, I was very used to talking about sex in the workplace. Now, one thing that's been very surprising for me and probably shouldn't have been, but because I was so comfortable with it, I have been so surprised by how uncomfortable so many people are talking about sex at work. Yeah. Something as simple as sending an email that mentions products for oral sex or, you know, any other kind of sexual health product. Like a lot of people have so much pause when it mm. comes to that. And that comes out during email conversations. It also comes out during conversations with factories and comes out during pitch meetings with investors. I've kind of handled it in two different ways. One of them is to start a meeting by saying, okay, everyone, I'm giving you a heads up now. We're going to be talking about sex today and not just about sex, but about oral sex and not just about oral sex, but about oral sex for the benefit of women and people with vulvas. So get ready. We're going to do it. Take a deep breath. Okay, are we ready? Let's go. And so that works to a certain extent. Another completely different way to handle it is to kind of desexify what we do mm. and to talk about it in terms of healthcare and providing disease prevention products, which, you know, really is a big part of what we do. So, you know, 30 billion condoms are sold worldwide per year. And the predominant reason people give for using condoms is to protect against STDs like herpes, HPV, gonorrhea, and chlamydia. Yep. And all of those STDs can be passed via oral sex. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about that, but then also think about the fact that really no oral sex barrier up to this point has really taken off, you realize there is really an opportunity to protect so many people yeah. from these STDs with a product that people enjoy using and that is comfortable and, you know, enjoyable for both partners to use in, in a way that the condom is basically. So anyway, the way that I just discussed laurels right now, I didn't even mention laurels, but I barely even mentioned sex. And sometimes referring to laurels in that way in just a very dry context is the answer to the mm. fact that, you know, a lot of people just don't feel comfortable talking about sex in a work context. Yeah. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor, and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice, so I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people? 
This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Flora. As life's routine settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Fleur app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Fleur invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Fleur now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. Well, but even as I was hearing you say all of those, I was literally imagining someone wearing the latex panty-looking things, and I'm imagining the practicality of it and the ease and how it's so much easier to offer rather than a little square. And you're like, wait, shit, how do I, I don't, what's my technique for holding the square? You know, like, so yeah, I hear you talk and I'm like, oh, I see how it allows the imagination to fill in those gaps. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And I think that because I've been so comfortable talking about every aspect of sex, and initially when I would talk about laurels, I would fill in every single gap, you know, and then over time I realized I don't need to fill in everything for everyone. Like they can figure it out. Yeah. And sometimes that's a more comfortable conversation for everyone involved. And like, ideally, I think that as a business, laurels has two goals, maybe more than that, but two are coming to mind right now. And one of them is over time, over the next few years and a few decades, we want society to feel so much more comfortable with oral sex and with rimming and fingering and scissoring and all of these sex acts that are annoyingly considered secondary. Yeah. You know, I mean, these activities are the primary forms of so many people's intimate lives, not even just queer people, like people with disabilities and people who don't enjoy vaginal intercourse. I mean, these are really important sexual activities. I said not just queer people, but like also, of course, queer yeah. people. Yeah. Like our sexual activities are really, really important. Yeah. It reminds me of a recent interaction that I had with an entity that does small business loans. Basically, they work with the Small Business Administration, the SBA, to provide capital to small businesses that are trying to grow. And the SBA guarantees those loans mm. so that the founders don't have to personally guarantee the loan, yeah. or at least not all of it. And then also the SBA works with these lenders to provide favorable terms so that people who take out those loans are able to pay them over a longer portion of time. And so a few months ago, we applied for one of those SBA loans with a lender. The loan officer knew exactly what our product was and was excited about it. And we went through so many different steps. There's 
a ton of paperwork involved in getting an SBA loan. And so, you know, we went through the early steps. The loan officer said it was looking good. We went through the whole due diligence process, sharing a ton of information. And the loan officer said, this really is looking good. Like on the merits, it, it looks like you're going to get this loan. I just need to submit it to my like higher ups. And, you know, they need to basically like rubber stamp what I've already done. And so one of the executives that he submitted it to looked at our website and she didn't like that we talked about cunnilingus and rimming. And with that, we lost the loan. It was only because of the content of our website. And it's only because she was uncomfortable with cunnilingus and rimming. So it's one single person's shame at the top of a hierarchy that stops us from receiving more laurels because we're trying to get some more production going. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. Like with that loan, I could have fulfilled all of these wholesale orders that people are interested in. Yeah. It's so incredibly frustrating. And then I also think it's so heteronormative because if you have only seen oral sex as secondary to the vaginal intercourse that you tend to have, then you don't give it the respect that it deserves. In reality, it is a way of two people connecting with each other and creating love and connection and better health and happiness for both of them, just like vaginal intercourse is. It should not be relegated to this like second class sexual status. And it makes me very, very angry that it continues to be. So anyway, I was talking about the goal with laurels and the goal with laurels is that cunnilingus and rimming and like fingering all these things. These are like activities that everybody enjoys so that, you know, people are able to have a wide variety of pleasure in their sex lives. That is so important to us. And then also, I think on a daily basis, we want everybody around us that we interact with to feel comfortable about our products. We want them to feel as normal as condoms or as normal as Kleenex. I think that taking away some of the language that was like this gap filling language of the way that I used to talk about laurels. I think that's taking some of it away is actually like better for the greater good of the company because it allows people to feel more comfortable right now in 2021 so that down the line in 2026 and 2031 and, you know, in the future, People will just be used to oral sex and it'll be great. Yeah. What about a social or cultural norm that you love already? I would say one thing that's really exciting is that the younger generation is becoming, I think, more and more sex positive and also more knowledgeable about themselves. And so actually, it's not only about sex positivity, but it's also about like, you know, acknowledging being like asexual and being very comfortable with that. And people being demisexual and sapiosexual and like basically finding their own way of figuring out how they will engage with other people romantically and sexually. And I think that that has been an amazing trend to see. And I think that it's also spilling over to older generations as well. I think that they are also like being inspired by the younger generation and learning more about themselves and the way that they experience pleasure you know, finding businesses like Laurel's and like so many of like the vibrator companies and other companies that are making products for sexual pleasure. And it's allowing people to just feel so many more sensations than they used to feel. I remember having a conversation with my grandmother before she passed away. She was very proud of Laurel's 
And we didn't really talk about it a lot. Like when we were in Playboy, she just thought it was the coolest thing. She was really excited about Laurel's helping women experience more forms of pleasure because she and so many of her contemporaries never had orgasms. And she like, we talked about it. Like it was, it was such a special, lovely conversation and so great to have the support of a family member who has always meant so much to me. But yeah, I do think that there are so many generations who have not felt the permission to experience sexual pleasure. And now they realize that not only do they have the permission, but they have the right to it. And I think that's been so empowering for so many people. I love that so much. And on that note, if you could wave a magic wand and teach everyone in the world something about sex, what would it be? It's kind of something that I feel very strongly about relationships as well. And it is that oftentimes when romantic relationships and sexual relationships don't work out, it's not because of a fault of either party. It's simply because the two people are incompatible. And I think that there is such a huge range of expression of sexuality. There are so many ways to have pleasure with yourself or with another person or with multiple people, you know, something that is incredibly erotic to one person can be, you know, painful or worse for another person. And I think that those feelings about sexuality are pretty central to who we are. And so if you're paired up with someone who you love dearly, but has very different feelings about sexual activity than you do, sometimes you might not be right for each other. And that can lead to, you know, conflict and can lead to breakups. And it's not because one person's form of, you know, sexual expression was bad or wrong. It's because the two people didn't mesh in their forms of sexual expression. And so this is one of the reasons that, you know, I think it's so cool that there's such a big variety of products on the market now that help people have those conversations about like what feels good to you and what doesn't feel good to you. The fact that the products exist can facilitate those conversations. And then I also think that sometimes you fit pretty well together, but in order to make the puzzle pieces truly connect, you need to just add one little thing. And it might be a vibrator. It might be dripstick. It might be laurels. But sometimes like you really do have the potential to be interconnecting puzzle pieces and communication helps. And sometimes like these new consumer products do help. But sometimes you're just not sexually compatible. That's not a bad thing. It just means that you might not be right for each other in that particular way. It's not about anything wrong with either of you. It's about the really intricate way that your brain works when it comes to sex. It's a fit. It's not a fit. And what I hear in what you say is we can kind of also wish away the shame and blame culture of breakups and we can just wish each other well and wish each other away and go find literal better fits. Yes, beautiful. In as much detail as you're comfortable, how has your sex related work affected your personal life? So I would say that to a certain extent, my sex related work has definitely benefited my personal life because through my work, I learned so much about ways to feel confident and great and bad and like 
new ways to have sex and new positions and new new everything. And so I feel super educated where that is concerned. And, you know, my education happens because of work, but then, you know, apply it to my personal life. I've been reading about sex for a long time, but I continue to like read about and learn about sex. And that's been very beneficial. Also, you know, just being part of this industry, you get access to lots of cool products and fun things. And, you know, that can really spice up your sex life too. So that's really awesome. I would say like one thing that's a little bit tough is sometimes when I engage in the activity that is very central to the products that I make, I sometimes then think to myself, like, how would this impact orals? And like, (laughs) you know, I I basically start doing like consumer research on myself. And then I'm like, you need to stop that. (laughs) (laughs) You need to be enjoying this experience for what it is. But that is sometimes a downside. I don't know. I can also just see how it could be a really fun brainstorming session with the right person who's also into, I don't know, mixing those two things together. Just saying I could imagine. I mean, that is completely true. And I've been fortunate enough to experience that. And it's been very fantastic. What's the silliest shame related experience that you have encountered through your work? The factory was a pretty good one. And the loan is a pretty good one. Are there any others that are just like very terrible or silly or weird? Yes, I applied for an LGBTQ pitch competition. And I was so excited about the competition. You know, being a queer founder, I thought, you know, it's important to be part of these things. And I'm excited to be part of these things. And then also oral dams have often been considered to be like a queer product. I think that that's true to a certain extent. But also, I mean, I do feel like the vast majority of people with vulvas experience oral sex. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do think that oral dams really should be for everyone, but they have been embraced a lot by the queer community. And so as like the creator of kind of a reinvention of the oral dam, I thought I was kind of a shoe in for this pitch competition and, you know, sent my deck, waited to hear back, didn't hear anything back, saw that the pitch competition happened. I knew that it was going to happen. I was a little bitter, so I didn't go. But I did see everybody who was speaking and there was not a lot of gender variety in the speakers. And so then very coincidentally, I got invited by a friend to a lunch. And one of the people at the lunch was on the board of the organization for this LGBTQ pitch competition. And my friend and the person on the board started talking about the pitch event. And they said, oh, yeah, it was such a great event. And then they started saying, yeah, but, you know, it really was a bummer that there weren't any female founders who were pitching. Like, you know, there were six or seven people pitching and no female founders. Such a bummer. And the person who was the board member was like, before I thought to stop her, this all came out. She said, yeah, as I was evaluating all of the applicants, the strongest female founder applicant made this oral sex product. And I thought, I can't invite an oral sex product to speak at an LGBTQ pitch event. Like everybody's going to think that we as queer people are obsessed with sex. And it all, it, it all just oh. kind of flowed out. Like I was a, in a little bit of shock, but after she said that, I was like, I should probably stop you there. I think that was my company. Like, was it Laurel's? And she was like, yes. And like, she felt so uncomfortable and felt so bad about it. But It was a really big shocker for me because I really wanted the queer community to embrace the product. And I think that overall, the queer community has embraced laurels. But that was a blow. However, we are now good friends and she is a consultant for the company. (laughs) Change can happen. And, you know, I think that one of the lessons of it 
was kind of something I mentioned earlier, which is that sometimes I don't need to be filling in all the gaps for people. And sometimes you need to talk about things in vague ways in order to make the social change that you ultimately want to make over time. Oh, my gosh. I hope to learn that. Also, what a strange way to get great feedback on your pitch. How do you hope your work makes the world a sexier place? I feel so fortunate to do what I do. I feel like people are already having such improved, intimate experiences because of laurels. People who would skip oral when they're on their periods are now able to have oral whenever they want. People who have partners with scratchy facial hair or who just have like a lot of sensitivity in their clitoris or their vulva, they are able to experience oral sex that they were otherwise turning down. We hear from a lot of people who are, you know, later in life and they'll email us and say, I've never had oral sex before. And now with laurels, I'm having oral sex and I love it. It feels amazing and it's changed my life. And that's such an amazing thing to be a part of. And I think that over time, especially after we get FDA clearance, and this is, you know, a way for people who have faced so much stigma when it comes to STDs, for people to not have to feel stigmatized and instead to be able to enthusiastically enjoy sexual activity that they otherwise felt uncomfortable about. I think that that's going to happen more and more over time. And we have customers in 60 countries right now. And I think over time, it'll be, you know, many more countries than that. And I'm just so excited to see laurels become as normal as condoms and maybe even a little sexier than condoms and something that really enhances so many different people's sexual activities. That is so exciting. Also, I can't wait until there are Laurel's vending machines as prevalent as condom ones. Okay. And if somebody were theoretically in the process of raising funds to create a mobile play ship, think like an Airstream trailer filled with art supplies and sex toys, so like a dungeon, but much more inviting to the whole wide world. And they were in the process of also becoming a dominatrix so they could teach people sex and kink safety as they learn and also to facilitate explorations in the play ship on a cross-country road trip that's also a sex educational musical. What advice would you give that person? I love this so much. I think it's so cool. I think that you will absolutely be able to raise money for it. I think that, you know, I would reach out to people who have been investing in other live action type events. There are also a few play parties that have received startup capital. So I would, you know, figure out who's investing in them and reach out to them. And then I think that you should partner with a lot of really cool brands like Laurel's and we would love to be a part of it. It sounds amazing. So much fun. I feel like I will be hearing more and more about this over time because I think that you will absolutely be able to do it. I literally do have visions of people trying on laurels. Like, I don't have to touch them. They can put on their own laurels in their own private spots, but they can literally just use the space by themselves to explore so everything stays clean or they, you know, maybe with their partner, maybe they're not. Maybe I'm in there offering creative suggestions. Maybe not. I don't know. Anything could happen. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, we're starting to work with play parties and polyamory events. That's actually why I bought my first pack of laurels is because I was going to a play party with my master and I was like, I'm going to have these on hand just in case. But then I got too nervous and I didn't use them. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. Hopefully next time. I mean, 
We are sending laurels out to a few places so that people can try them out. And hopefully they will soon become really commonplace at those parties. And then, you know, it's just a way to have as much fun as possible without necessarily having fluid transfer or sometimes without exposing yourself. If you like want to be like having an orgasm in front of people, but you don't want to be like showing off all your goods, you know, there's so many different benefits of it. And soon once we launch our sheer version, even more possibilities of how to engage and play with laurels. Amazing. Melanie, where can people find you and laurels on the internet? So you can find laurels at mylaurels.com. It's M-Y-L-O-R-L-S.com. And at mylaurels is also our handle on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then I'm on Instagram at Melanie Crystal and then on Twitter at Mel Crystal, M-E-L-A-N-I-E sometimes, C-R-I-S-T-O-L. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me to make the world a sexier place. So my pleasure. Thank you so much, Wyo. This has been super, super fun. Lovers, that is Sex at Work this week. Links to Laurels are in the show notes. Please remember to subscribe on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify and be a lover who makes the world a sexier place by leaving reviews and comments and thumbs up and stars wherever you can. That is how we get the algorithm on board with Mission 69 and, you know, making the world a more lovely, loving place. If you want to hear personal stories from lovers around the world, go listen to Sex Stories wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to listen to my personal details or find other ways to join my mission to make the world a sexier, more loving place, including methods that involve looking at me naked, visit mission69.org. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sex Stories Pod and follow me at Wildly. And if you care to share a thought, question, or sex story, especially if it's work-related, email me through sexstoriespodcast.com. Another question for you to ponder. If you had three hours in my future playship and a pair of laurels, what would you do with them? Thank you, as always, for joining this mission to make the world a more loving place. Please remember to share sex stories. Lovely humans, thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcast, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. (laughs) I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, Apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. Sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Wiley, or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Wiley.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, 
and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection. 